0: Welcome to the Way Church Podcast. The Way Church exists to love God, love others, and make disciples. You can find out more about the Way Church at thewaychurchrva.com. Now we hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Amen, amen. Church, I ask you to remain standing as we hear God's word this morning. I'm asked Fred to come on up as we prepare just to worship through his word. Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Says this. They came to the other side of the sea, to the region of the Garrisones. As soon as he got out of the boat, a man with an unclean spirit came out of the tombs and met him. He lived in the tombs, and no one else was able to restrain him anymore, not even with a chain, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but had torn the chains apart and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and knelt before him, and he cried out with a loud voice, What do you have to do with me, Jesus, the Son of the Most High God? I beg you before God, don't torment me. For he had told him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. What is your name? He asked him. My name is Legion, he answered him, because we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the region. A large herd of pigs was there, feeding on the hillside. The demons begged him, send us to the pigs so that may we, we may enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. The herd of about 2,000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned there. The men who tended them ran off and reported it in the town in the countryside. And the people went to see what had happened. They came, to see, they came to Jesus and saw the man who had been demon-possessed sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs. Then they began to beg him to leave the region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged him earnestly that he might remain with him. Jesus did not let him, but told him, go home to your own people and report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So he went out and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and they were all amazed. Father, we thank you for who you are and still the God of miracles. Lord, we thank you for jesus the one who has all authority on heaven and on earth that jesus that still is the one who's changing lives even today as we've seen then we see now and we know that you're faithful and we'll see tomorrow the next day into eternity father you are the change maker we thank you for what you have done and what you're doing we just ask that you lead us in this heart of worship this morning let you be glorified magnified and as we focus on you Bring us closer to yourself. Build our faith. We thank you, Father. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, church, you may be seated as you have seen by now. We're welcoming the Fixed Ministry, who we have began a partnership with, and we want to continue to come alongside them well. And what you don't know is, this is Fred Weymouth, and so Fred is the pastor there at the Fixed Ministry, also the executive director, but he's also, they have also planted a church recently called the Fixed Chapel. And Fred, they meet on Saturday nights, right? You guys meet on Saturdays. And so they're located in Tappahannock. But God has done an amazing work. And you're going to hear some of those stories this morning over the years and continues to do amazing work in growing this ministry and expanding God's kingdom and the gospels going forth and lives are being changed. And so you're going to hear some of that this morning what you don't know is Fred and I have been friends now for years. Yeah. And so I've been really excited this, so we've been planning this for months. And just so excited because the friendship I have with Fred and with Will and just a uh, really great friendship and partnership. So no doubt you're going to be blessed. God's going to be magnified. And so, Fred, we can't wait to hear from you, brother.
1: Thank you. Good morning, church. I um, want to thank you all for having the fix. We are always uh, grateful that we're able to come and gather with, Uh, The local church. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about our ministry. Uh, We're going to go into um, a testimony, uh, if you would allow us that. It's going to be a great time of fellowship, and then uh, the most important thing is we're going to get in the Word of God. I um, I want you to know my wife is at home. Uh, She is in the middle of getting her master's degree. Uh, She had about uh, three weeks worth of homework that she had to get done today. Um. So, she sends her her love and her blessing as well. And um, you know, we uh, we got started in uh, Shaco Bottom. My wife and I were both homeless um, at, a, at a time in our life, drug addicted, um, alcohol, you, you name it. We um, had lost everything, in and out of sleeping in the backs of cars and in hotel rooms and other things. Um, so uh, when when we had this encounter with Christ, it changed not only changed ourselves, but it changed the dynamic of our relationship. Um, so, at a period of time uh, through that, we ended up in downtown Richmond. Um, I would set up a music stand, such as this, um, with a little uh, pull behind speaker with a little mic, and we just um, preach. And out of that birthed this ministry. We uh, we now uh, shepherd it's uh, the fixed ministry. We have a men's facility and a women's facility uh, where people come, uh, live with us for a year to a year and a half, and we disciple them through the Word. Um, I would tell you, a uh, secular world would call it recovery. We call it discipleship. Um, we believe that the answer is the gospel. Uh, we believe that Christ is the answer to addiction. Uh, we do not buy into the secular worldview of addiction uh, where it is a disease, we believe that we're all um, sinful, right? There's not one righteous, no, not one. Uh, and without Christ, we love our sin. And we love ourselves more than we love anything else. Um, so that's what we uh, teach at The Fixed Ministry. Um, I'm grateful for the worship team that was up here, uh, Pastor Will and Pastor Mike and uh, Andy um, and James. Um, Thank y'all. So that's kind of the crux of of our ministry. Um, We also now have a transition home for men. Uh, So at nine months into our program, a man comes to us. uh, We believe uh, to live missionally. Uh, You got to do that in the workplace. It's not only full-time ministry. I believe that we're all called to full-time ministry. Uh, Whether you're at work or um, standing in a pulpit or leading worship or uh, leading children's church, um, or a or paid staff of a ministry. We're all in full-time ministry. But some of us are called to the workforce. Some of us are called to do this nonstop. Um, so we want to foster that. So we do a split in what we do. Um, if a man at nine months feels like he's called to vocation, uh, we send him into the transition home where he uh, builds resume, uh, gets a job, and continues to get plugged in and held accountable. Um, if a man comes to Will and I or the other staff and says, I feel called to be uh, in ministry full-time, uh, we ask them to count the cost. I think sometimes men run into ministry not counting the cost. Um, and then we start to disciple them towards full-time ministry. So we, we're excited to be able to do that. we uh, we see um, over and over again as three men that stood on stage today that went through this entire process and love God and love His people and love to do this nonstop. Um, and then we, out of this whole situation, um, this this chapel was birthed, if you will. Uh, we've had men come through our programs, um, kind of stick and stay. And, and out of that was birthed this church, this local church that we have in Tappahannock. I um, mean, it's beautiful. We, we have a whole group of uh, a different eclectic people from everywhere. Um, and it's beautiful because what we what were able to do was go into a place, preach the gospel, disciple those that responded, and now they are plugged into the fixed chapel and continuing to serve God in a body, it's just awesome. Um, but you know, I want to I want to have a, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, two people come up, and they're going to give a, a testimony together, if you will. Um, their testimony uh, is very special to myself and my wife, for the simple fact that it kind of runs through the veins of my wife and I's testimony. I, I'll tell you that I was. A lost, broken drug addict in a very sinful relationship with my now wife. We lived together. We weren't married. We did drugs together. Um, It got physical. We beat on each other. It it was toxic at the the highest level. But see, she went somewhere and had an encounter with this Christ fellow, right, I got uh, from behind a Valero sleeping on cardboard boxes and got plugged into a local church and I met this man, Christ. And then God, God kind of brought us back together. A couple years later, actually. And then all of a sudden, we had this desire to honor God and please God with a marriage instead of just living in fornication and debauchery. And then it was just like two different people. We had to learn each other all over again. Neither one of us had been in a relationship our entire lives sober. And it was just this beautiful, beautiful testimony to the power of God and what He can do. So, quickly, if, if y'all would, um, I'm going to introduce to you a, a married couple. Uh, Ryan and Amanda. And what I, what I want you to know is, is they both came into... Our programs. One went to the women's facility. The other one went to the men's facility. And we've been able to watch God restore what the locusts tried to devour. Amen. Um, so y'all come on up here. Um, it, anytime you're dealing with relationship, it's hard, guys. We, You know, I scratched my head. I said, is this going to work? Right? Having the husband in the men's home and the women, the woman... In the women's facility, but 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 God knows best, Amen. Mm-hmm. So y'all y'all give them a few minutes. I know it's hard to get up here and talk, um. But God is going to get the glory, Amen. My name's Ryan.
2: Here you go. Here you go. Oh, thank you. Hmm. Ryan, um, my family didn't have a background of drug use really, but um uh and my mother she never even touched the drug so I can imagine how they couldn't get their head around why I had such a problem. Um but it started when I played football and I got I hurt my knee, I tore my meniscus and the doctor prescribed me painkillers. Um that was my tenth grade year. Um but my mother she kept that prescription so um, she regulated that, but then, my twelfth, twelfth grade, I tore meniscus in my other knee. Um, and somehow I got that bottle. I guess I was persistent. I, I don't know. But that didn't turn out right, cause I, I abused it. And um, after that, took me on a long eight-year uh, binge. Uh, first with opiates, but after that, it's soon to come uh, anything I get my hands on. Um, So my mother, she wanted to put me in a program, that was my first faith-based program uh, when I was 26. Um, But even though my mom, she wanted me to go to a program to get clean off of drugs, God had his own plan. Because in that way, he brought me to him. Um, Because out in the world, I was dead in my sin. I did not know who I was. Didn't recognize myself anymore, but when I became saved and I got to Christ, I began to be different. When in the world, I, everything I touched, I destroyed. Um, man, but when I came in the program and began to be obedient to his word and apply it to my life, I began to see that his promises were real. And uh, instead of being deaf to everything around me, I began to speak life. Um, and I felt like I had life inside of me, um, and his promises was really real because being obedient, I found my beautiful wife at the program, um, uh, and then we 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 dated in the church, um, like we're supposed to, uh, <laughs> and then eventually we got I proposed, um, and we was there for a little while, and then we, we left. Um I guess we, we try to do it our, on our own. Um uh but soon we begin to have a little compromises and justifications. We stopped going to church. Um and within that we became unplugged and we let the devil into our marriage. And uh devil comes to kill, steal and destroy. Cause that's exactly what he did. We became people that we didn't even know. Um, did things that, in the world, is unforgivable. Um, until it came to a point that we just we couldn't take anymore. We we weren't who we first fell in love with and married. Um, and just being in a world, you I, I realize you have to you have to force things. Um, I tried flip twist do everything I did to make it work. But I know God gave us each other because it was just given. We laid each other in front of our paths. So I know that was God given. Um, but since when I, we, we, we had to just get out the situation. So I, be, I went back to that program that I was at and she came here uh, soon after um, so we could have that, that time apart to heal from the things that we did to each other. Um, And God is good. Um, After a while, we came back together. And I just want to thank The Fix for giving us the opportunity to uh, further uh, pursue God again in our marriage and restore our marriage. That's all.
1: Amen. (laughs) Amen.
3: My name is Amanda. Kind of just a little bit about myself i i kind of grew up in a dysfunctional household i didn't have a dad growing up um my brother kind of raised me because my mother worked three jobs um and so i began using at 12. Uh, i got prescribed uh medication and and that began my journey in, in drug addiction and it got so bad um so i was 16 tried heroin for the first time And I was addicted to cocaine by that time. And I I had twins when I was uh, 18 and raising babies, a baby myself. Um, Then my brother ended up passing away. And my addiction was so bad at this point, when my brother passed away, um, my mother also bought me a grave um, because she was prepared to bury me. And so that's kind of how bad it was. But... um, like my friend Cheryl says, I'm not going to focus on the bad stuff. I'm going to get to God's redemption. I went through a program, um, the same one he went through in 2016, um, and I thrived. I um, the Lord changed me. I had knew who the Lord was, but I didn't know the Lord. You know, I knew there was a God, but I didn't know Him, um, and I had met the Lord there, and I met myself there. Um, but then I started to lose sight of, of the Lord and kind of focus on um, me and putting myself on a pedestal and things like that. And um, so it, it got it got a little difficult. But, in, you know, in, in the mix of that, I met Ryan. We began dating. Um, and then when he proposed, I, you know, everything, I, you know, everything changed because I never, I, I mean, he was like the perfect date. Like he, I never thought, I was like, what is wrong with him, Lord? Because. Something's got to be wrong with them. I was not used to, you know, a good guy. And, and um, so I, I thought this is, this is going to be a bust, you know. But the Lord showed me that, you know, true love is possible. Uh, I never saw myself worthy of love, ever. I never, ever thought that anybody would get down on their knee and ask me to be their wife. Never. And so when we left, um, we thought that we were leaving... <laughs> um and and pursuing the american dream if you will um i had a good job we you know we we really did try but but the the compromises um took over our marriage and like he said uh things just got bad things were bad we ended up hating each other um i, th- I think we we threatened divorce a couple times I, you know it was just really bad um but when he left, he actually left me because I was a nightmare. Um, he left. <laughs> no, it's true. He left me, um, and I was broken. I was. I never, you know, I never thought he would ever leave. But he knew that this wasn't what the Lord had for us. And and somewhere inside me, I did too. But the enemy had taken over my mind. Um, but I followed him. Um, that's the first um, time my husband really led. Um, us the right direction in our sin, you know, uh, he, he let us out of it because I followed. And then, then here we are, he, we spent some time apart, he, him there, I here. And, um, and it's been, it's been amazing. It was really hard being apart from him, but the Lord was working in that. Um, and I just kind of, I just want to share this because this, this was something my maid of honor said at our wedding, um, that my, my name, Amanda means worthy of love. Um, and my whole life I felt unworthy of love, and Ryan's name actually means king of kings, so not only did the Lord send me somebody, uh, you know, the Lord told me I was worthy of love, but he sent me a king, Um, and so that, that's, you know, the Lord has just done so much in our life through the fix, like he's used the fix in our life to to bring us back together, to, he's called him to be the king of our marriage, and you know, and it's just, it's beautiful, I, I can't. I'm grateful.
1: So. Thank y'all. Thank y'all.
3: Okay.
2: I just wanted to say uh, today I hit six months sober, and um, and in in the world, I mean out there, I tried to do it by myself, and I couldn't even get a week sober. So I know it can't be nobody but Jesus. You can't do it without God. Amen.
1: <laughs> Hey, thank y'all for listening. Um, you know, to fix, we, uh, you, know, you know, one thing that the Lord pressed upon my heart early was, um, as my wife and I were downtown doing this, this, um, this outreach, right, um, it, it was important to me because, you know, I was homeless for a long period of time, in and out of homelessness, um, Shaco bottom um, Commerce Avenue, in and out of the, the healing place. They had an overnight shelter back then. Tried to program, couldn't follow rules, get kicked out back in the street. You know, but there were, there were many, 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 um, I call them uh, Good Samaritan type ministries that would hand you a meal, would give you a piece of, piece of clothing. But, you know, that five years that I was in and out of that time of my life, there was no one sharing the gospel um and I can tell you this if you go into homeless camps um I lived in them it's funny you 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 um you walk back in there and there's tents everywhere, and there's a mountain of clothes I'm, I'm not even exaggerating I could take you there right now as high as the ceiling and then you look around and there's there's containers and um, there's little bars of soap, um, shampoo bottles, razors, everywhere. Everywhere you look, you know. And and I think in the midst of that, I realized that the only thing that changed me was Jesus. It wasn't the food. It wasn't the clothes. It wasn't the little gift bags that people gave me, you know. You know, and truly, you know, we give out a, a resource. Um, if if you are hungry, there are at least three or four places that you can get a meal for breakfast, for lunch, and for dinner. But see, I was starving spiritually, and people gave me all kinds of great ideas about how to get sober. But until I met the man Jesus. Nothing changed in my life. And and like that. This story that we're about to go through. uh, That your pastor read a minute ago. Is so um, indicative to what we do. And and, I don't know if any of you in here have heard of practical theology. I believe there's only one interpretation of scripture. I, I really do. You can't. You can't come to the scriptures and say, hey, this this story is about the Titanic when it's really about a jumbo jet. Does that make sense? But there are many ways to apply the scripture, right? There are many applications. And I think that's where a lot of us um, get this disconnect. There is something for all of us in the scriptures. I call it practical theology. It's the way that you apply it. And see, I don't want you to leave here um, with some lofty thoughts this morning or, or some high, way of, high view of thinking. I want you to practically be able to apply what we go through this morning as you leave out the door. So as we talk about this guy, the Scriptures call Legion, right? The, the, the overarching, overarching, overarching thought that I want you to have is only Jesus. Only Jesus. See, I, I think we have this mindset where we go to the scriptures, we say we believe Jesus, we believe the word, right? But somehow, some way we try to infuse our thoughts and our opinions over top of it. Like, like in, in the scope of what we do as a ministry, right, in recovery, people will tell Fred he's crazy. To say that only Jesus, and all you need is Jesus to set you free from alcoholism and drug addiction. And that everything that you need can be found in the word of God. And that's important that you guys understand that as professing Christians. Right? Don't, don't, don't say Jesus can do this thing, right? And then send your loved one to a psychologist. Because Jesus is just not enough. He needs something more. But see, the Word of God says this, that everything that pertains to life and godliness can be found in this book. Do we go to the book? Do we really stand on what we confess? Because I don't know. I believe that we, as, as, as the local church, are confessional people. We stand on the confessions that we find in the Bible. So y'all turn, if you would, if you got a copy of God's Word. And Pastor Josh said there's no time limit, and, and dinner starts at 5. 20 verses. I'm going to try to roll through them, so y'all, y'all keep up with me, okay? Pastor already read it. So if y'all would allow me to pray very quickly, I just want to get in the right space. I want it to be his words and not my words. And guys, listen, we've talked about the fix a little bit. Over the next, you know, four or five hours, I want you to not think about the fix, okay? I want you to simply think about Jesus and and, and think about his word, okay? I want you to leave here not remembering Pastor Fred, not remembering the fix, but what we're about to go through, okay? I I want you to carry it with you the rest of the week. I want you to chew on it, okay? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you. Lord, I thank you for your word this morning. I I thank you for the opportunity that you've given the fix to come and to share about your goodness and your grace and your mercy. Lord, I, I pray that I would decrease and you would increase. I always pray, Lord, that that these people here would remember you and your word. You and your word, Lord God, because that's what changes hearts. That's truly what changes hearts, Lord God. It's not the fix. It's not anything other than you. So, Lord God, let's put you in your proper place over the next few moments. You're the head. Uh, you're the bride, and we're the bridegroom. I mean, you're the bridegroom, and we're the bride, Lord. And, Lord, we thank you for um, a, a chance to gather as the body, Lord. We, we are grateful that we are able to gather here on the Lord's Day Uh, Lord, and give you that glory that you ultimately deserve uh, for our salvation, our lives, and everything else. You are preeminent. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, So I want to start off with a uh, couple verses you may know. uh, One of my my all-time favorite verses um, is Acts 4.12. You don't have to go there. I'm going to read it to you. Um, It says, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. This is the gospel in a nutshell. Um, we have another gospel in a nutshell in Second Peter 3.9. It says this, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. We know there's only one person that can write us back to God. It's Jesus. It's clear in the Scripture. So, look, I don't know, but if you, if you look around this room, truly look around the room and look in the men's and women's faces, You can absolutely say only Jesus. I mean, really. There are a group of men and women in here that I can assure you, if you sit with them for three and a half minutes, you can only come to the conclusion, only Jesus. I'm serious. I'm serious, guys. Got a room for me. It's just not the people from the fix. It's it's you guys at the way, too. Many of you in this room right now have testimonies. And and I pray, I pray fervently that that God would give us the courage and the boldness to share that thing. Because many of us hold it in and won't share it with the people around us. They need to hear a God-only, Jesus-only story. A God-only, Jesus-only testimony. So I, I, here I've got, we all have storms, right, in our life. It's funny, I've, I've heard people say, you know, uh, live in victory, victorious. This is so very true. But if you're a Christian, right, if you are a born-again believer in this room, you know that you, have you ever heard you're either in a storm, coming out of a storm, or going into a storm? I, I would argue that that's wrong. If you are a Bible-believing, born-again Christian in this room, you're always in the storm. You're never out of the storm. It's always a storm. But see, some of these storms, right, some of them are very violent. We go through some very violent things even as Christians, right? Spiritually violent. They they rip us apart and they tear us down. But see, some of these storms, we have to start to understand that we can't can't row in this storm in our own might. We, We have to have... Jesus. There are certain storms that we are not able to get through on our own. We need Christ, and we need His church. We need fellowship. We need each other. But see, some of you in this room, right, you have gotten through that violent hurricane type of storm in your life, and you can stand before men and women and say, only Jesus. Only Jesus. So in Mark 4, we're going to get into this. This is the chapter before 5. We see Jesus teaching and preaching. It's relentless, right? Crowds everywhere. He gets no sleep, no break. He's hardly eating anything. And then he piles into the boat with the disciples, right? And they're crossing through onto the other side. And Jesus falls asleep in the back of the boat. Storm comes up. Right? His, his disciples are frantically losing their minds because this storm is so violent, they don't know how they're going to live through it. And I, and I want you to uh, take this in, if you will, um, into your mind and into your heart, right? These weren't, these weren't fly-by-night just, just um, people that just have once in a while uh, jumped in a john boat and went out in a lake, like on a farm. These were seasoned outdoorsmen. Seasoned, I mean seasoned fishermen. They were on the water and made a living at it. So these weren't just some, some random uh, guys that work in an office and decided, say, hey, let's go on a canoe trip this weekend. And ain't been on a canoe trip in 22 years. These guys knew How? To weather a storm. But they have gotten themselves into a storm that they're not able to get themselves out of. And I want you to see that. And this is going to play into our first point. Because sometimes I think in our culture of church and Christianity, we don't want to be bothered. We, we, we want to stick to the agenda. We want to stay to the plan. We don't have time for interruption. And see, all y- y- the, the people that work with me would tell you that I, I throw interruptions at them daily. All day, Fred's ADHD is off the chain. We're going here, we're going there, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and everybody's like, Fred, we got to stay on schedule. I don't know how to do that. Thank God for those people. But sometimes, guys, listen, this storm comes up. I want you to see that it blows them off course. This storm takes them somewhere that they weren't planning to go. They were planning to go into the city across the lake, and they end up in some tombs somewhere. That's where they landed. And when they land, this man comes running out of the tombs. This is not where I think the disciples were planning on doing ministry, right? Some of us think, well, man, let's go up into the penthouse suite and let's kick our feet back and let's just talk about theology. This is not what happens here. So, So the first point, listen, is a Jesus interruption, a Jesus interruption. Are we open to being interrupted divinely by Jesus? So looking at this part of the Gospel of Mark, it really should crush us all. It should. I don't know about you, but I I want to be a part of what Jesus is doing. Would you all agree with that? We want to be where Jesus is moving. I don't know about you, but to be a part of an only Jesus moment we must be okay with interruption. We must be okay with things interrupting our day-to-day routine and life. See, this is what it is to live missionally, right? You, you may go to, you may work at the car wash. You you may work at the thrift store, right? You may work um, at GNS guys. I'm talking to my guys. You, you may work other places, right? may work in an office complex. You, you may work wherever you work. That's your mission field. That is your mission field. And so when in the, the pattern and the flow of work, right, you have, to, you have to pay attention because God at all times is trying to interrupt your life so you can speak the gospel into other people. And so when we get in this flow of routine and it becomes check the box, check the box, check the box, go home, give me me time, I need private time. You, is no way possible, guys, listen, as a, as a believer, that you can separate, separate ministry from your personal life. The two are interwoven always. It's a way of life. It's called living your life on mission. And we, and this is this is so very important. Listen, when we look at this text, remember the storm landed them not in a port city, but in the tombs. Who, who, who in here would go to a graveyard to share the good news? That was not the plan. Listen to one and two. Listen. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. Thank you. I have a problem with some words. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. Right? And I think sometimes we we get this mindset where when we start to minister to people, we expect them to be clean before we get there. Right? But this is the messiness of ministry. And see, I think a lot of people don't like these interruptions because it's messy. It's messy. It takes work, it takes perseverance, it takes weeping. We got to weep for these people. Not point our fingers at them and say, hey, you come back and talk to me when you get all cleaned up. So again, they landed uh, at the tomb site. This is not where they had planned on doing the Lord's work. Their plan was not to go into a cemetery. They wanted to go into a city. And what's what's great about this is as you read a little further, you, you start to understand they never made it to where they were going. They never made it to where they were going. How many of us refuse to allow interruptions in our day-to-day? How many doors has the Lord opened for us that we have not walked through because it was out of our day, it was on our day off. Or it wasn't on the calendar. Right? The, the phone call after nine. The evangelism opportunity that wasn't planned. The things that are an inconvenience to us usually are the the divine interruptions that the Lord has brought into our life. How many people uh, have we walked right by because to stop would interfere with our plan? And look, I say these things because I've done them, right? Do street ministry, street ministry. We do street ministry three days a week, right? And I I will walk right by somebody, right, when the Holy Spirit is nudging me to stop and share the gospel. And I can share you testimony after testimony telling on myself about how these interruptions in my life have been inconvenient and I refuse to do anything. Truly. Truly. So how many of us would have blown this guy off right here we're about to talk about, right? He's too much trouble, he's too dirty, it's too hard, right? Let's just turn him back over to God and send him back into the tombs and we'll just deal with it later. Right? To, to stop and share the gospel with this guy could get messy inconvenient. He's too hard. He's not part of the plan. He doesn't fit the people God called me to reach. Right? They look different than me. They smell different than me. They're just not like me. So God maybe didn't call me to share the gospel with them. Point two. And this is a very important point right here. Let Jesus do it. Let Jesus do it, guys. Right? We talked about storms that we can't handle. Right? But I want you to know, guys, there are things within ourselves that we can't handle either. Right? We got to let Jesus do it. And so I'll give you a prime, practical example of what we deal with at our ministry. Is we'll take, we take men and women in from all walks of life, right? We, we, take, we take people from our outreach ministries to the homeless. Um, we, we take, we've taken pastor's sons. Right? We've taken ordained ministers. But what you see happen is, when when these men and women come in and they say, Hey, we're gonna to submit to the way you do things at the fix, we will have moms, we will have wives, we will have husbands, we will have daughters that come in and tell us how to treat their family member. This is what my family member member needs. Let me tell you how to fix my son. And see, that's toxic. Because a lot of times, those are the people that spurred up this stuff anyway. They enable them, right? Right? Anytime Fred has to have, we call it intense fellowship with one of the students. Why are you being so mean to my family member? Why would you say such a thing? This stuff happens. But, but what you'll see is they're not letting Jesus do it. They're not letting the Word of God do what the Word of God does. L- listen to 3, 4, and 5. Listen. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore. Not even with a chain For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. And when he saw Jesus from afar, listen to this, he ran and fell down before him. So there's things to notice in these passages quickly. Notice here that no one could bind him, not even chains. No one had the strength to subdue him. And there's a couple things, right? A couple things I kind of want to point out to us all. The longer that we feed our flesh, right, the stronger it gets. The more we feed the demonic, the stronger the demons become. Always crying out and cutting himself, it says. In our ministry, that speaks volumes because we still see that happen today. That's not something old. It's even something that happens now. No human, listen, no human. They didn't have the strength or human wisdom, right? Human wisdom here, I kind of looked at the chain shackles. They couldn't hold him, right? See, in man's wisdom, they thought if they chained him and shackled him, that would be enough. But then we see Jesus show up, and I want you to look at what happens. He ran and fell down before him. And so simply, guys, I want you to understand when you're dealing with brokenness, people who are lost, right? People who have addictions. As Christians, we have to stand on what we profess and let Jesus simply do it. How do we do that? How do we do that? You might say, Fred, well, how do you just simply let Jesus do it? It's got to be more complicated than that. It is. Because... He uses us as a mode to reach these type of people with the gospel, with the word, right? So instead of trying to figure it out in your own strength, and your own wisdom, right? Why don't you hit your knees in prayer? I could bring up testimony after testimony about how God answered a praying mama's prayers. The, the mom never relented in her prayer life for their children. Are we applying the Word of God? You have to apply the Word of God into a person's life. Because when you pray and you apply the Word and you preach the Gospel, you're pointing them away from you, away from humanity and towards Christ. Towards God, you're you're pointing them away from the world and you're pointing them unto the Lord. And that's what we are called to do. And that's why the divine interruption is important, guys. Because you may be the only person that God has put in that person's life at that moment to pray for them and to point them to Jesus. Pray, apply the word, and allow Jesus interruptions in your life. You have a part, too. Do you all know that part where um, uh, Jesus is in the house? he's, He's preaching and he's teaching and he's doing other things, and all these people are gathered into the house so tight. You see these four friends running across a field carrying their buddy, who's a paraplegic, on his bed to Jesus to heal him. Right? But one thing that sticks out in that passage is very important. Jesus heals the man. He doesn't say because of the man's faith. He says because of their faith, the faith of the friends that get him to Jesus. That's us. That's us. Do we have faith in Christ enough not to carry him to a psychologist or the doctor to put him on medications, but to haul up that bed and carry it across the field? Not only carry it across the field, but climb up on the roof and tear it off and drop and lower this this man that can't walk on his own bed in front of Jesus so Jesus can do something with him? Do we have that kind of faith? Do we trust Christ that much? I think we struggle with letting Jesus do it, and you want to know why? Because when Jesus gets involved, things don't get a lot of times easier. They get harder on us. They get harder on us. It will cost us something. It will talk us, talk, cost us time and convenience. Many, many times two things happen when Jesus gets involved. It looks messy, right? And see, here's the thing. When you, when you bring Jesus into a situation, it not only convicts the person you're trying to help, it convicts you too. Right? you 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 now have to hold yourself to a, a standard that is cr- Christ like right you can't just wantonly live your life in front of the person you're trying to help right you you can't say hey say you can't say hey Fred I need you to help this guy man you, they rush him into the fix right and we open the doors and then the next week these same people that are bringing their family member into the fix for drug and alcohol abuse are on Facebook partying it up Your life has to line up. There is conviction there when you bring a man to Jesus. Because now he's looking to you. Is what you're saying and what you're proclaiming and the person you're pointing me to, do you live that type of life yourself? Right? That's the issue. That's the issue. A lot of times we will not carry a man to Jesus and we will not be divinely interrupted because a Jesus-only type situation convicts us too. You tell a man Jesus can do it, but you don't walk that out and live that out in your own life. You just knock the feet out from under Jesus. Again, This thing shines light into places that man just can't reach. I want you to know that. When we look at this legion, right? The light of Christ shines a light into a man's heart that we will never reach. Never reach. It may start to shine a light into the hearts around the person he's working on. And see, a lot of times we don't want the skeletons in our closet to be exposed, do we? Notice that this man was isolated outside of town, outside of fellowship. Things start to multiply. I want you to know that. When you get outside of a circle of accountability, outside of the fellowship of of God and his people, right, the sin in our lives sort of multiplies. We start drifting from the church, fellowship, the word, not being a part of the mission. These things multiply. And he begged him in 10, earnestly not to send them out of the country. Right? He starts to beg and cry out. It's going to be, it's going to get real messy and real convicting. And and I want you to see that not in the man legion with the demons, but the people that are around him. I want you to see that in these next passages. Now a great, listen, a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him saying, send us into the pigs. Let us enter them. So he gave them permission and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs and the herd, numbering about 2,000. Rushed down the steep bank and into the sea and were drowned in the sea. Again, the way Jesus does things is not the way the world would do it. It's different. It looks different. Sometimes it rubs us the wrong way. We start to interject our human wisdom and our opinions into the situation instead of simply letting Jesus do it. So it's messy. It's messed some things up. It's dirty. And I don't know about you, when you look at this story when you think about 2,000 pig carcasses floating in the sea, that just sounds stinky, don't it? That doesn't sound clean, right? And I think sometimes in ministry, we want this nice, clean, well-rounded program, right? That doesn't have any serrated edges, that doesn't get dirty, doesn't get nasty, because it's all out of convenience. We don't want to be inconvenienced. We want everything to run real smooth. Right? We want great Facebook pictures. Right? We want the world to see this, this, this nice, rounded program or church that just looks so sweet. And I don't know about you, but I can't find that in the Scriptures. Everywhere there was churches planted, it was dirty and it was nasty. Things happened. Right? I don't know. People died. People got whipped and flogged and stoned. It was not pretty. It was not Facebook worthy. I'll put it that. Put it that way. But we love that. We we love that type of ministry where it doesn't inconvenience us. We have no divine interruption. We just kind of check boxes, go home, live our lives, and don't get bothered. And that is not ministry. That is not living missionally. Mm. The herdsmen fled and told it. Listen, this is important. Told it in the city and in the country and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man. Listen to this. The one who, who had the legion. This is what happens when we let Jesus do it. Sitting there, clothed, clothed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Unbelievable. You got this man living in tombs by himself, naked, It's important that you understand that he was naked and out of his mind, and now he's clothed. He's clothed and in his right mind. Right? And there's nothing man could do to get him there. I want you to go back and think about that as as we get towards the end of this, that they had bound him. They had chained him. They had done everything that they could. And nothing a human being could do could fix this man. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs in disguise. This is us. This is us. They were more worried about their pigs than they were this man. That's us. We're more worried about our bank accounts, what kind of car we drive, and, and our life. Don't interfere with my life. And they be- began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. Get away-, get, a- get away from us. Right? He just cost us 2,000 pigs because those pigs were more important than this man's life. See, Jesus is getting personal right here. He, he, uh, he was talking about this type of convenience that we're all so accustomed to. What do you mean? What do you mean saving lives and preaching the gospel is going to cost us some stuff? What do you mean coming alongside some broken, broken sinner and trying to love them to Jesus is going to cost me something? What do you mean? We are comfortable, right? And really, the, all these people that are gathering and are begging him to leave, it's like, what else are you going to do here? What else are you going to uncover? We, we, we don't want to be shaken up. We, we're comfortable. We're good, Jesus. All right, and the last point. Last point. Only Jesus can bring hope into a hopeless situation. Only Jesus can bring hope into a hopeless situation. We see this demon-possessed man, legion, clothed and in his right mind, right? I would just simply say only Jesus. This town, these people didn't want Jesus there in their city. Jesus alone flips people's lives upside down. Verse 18, as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. Now I want you to see the two different mindsets. Do you see them? One group of people are begging him to leave. We got this other man that was Legion, now in his right mind, begging him to go with him. This man had been radically flipped, upside down. Only Jesus can completely heal what ails us. Remember that man couldn't do it. Chains didn't work. Man had been treating symptoms. Right? And see, at the fix, we believe that Christ is the fix. That's where the word comes from. It's a play on words, but, you know, we're all seeking a fix. That's just not for drug addicts and alcoholics. We're all seeking a fix. But we found our fix in Christ. Christ is the fix. And we believe that. We believe that and we stand on it, guys. Right? Right? So many times in what we deal with, people are simply putting band-aids on shotgun wounds, right? They're treating the outward man and not the inward man. They would tell people in recovery that the help comes from yourself. You can help yourself. It's self-help. But it's, it can't be that way. It has to be the gospel. It has to come from without, not from within, Christ gets dirty, deals with the hopeless cases. Are we to be like Jesus? This man begged, right, at the first. Y'all remember that? For Jesus to leave him alone. Now he's begging him to go with him. That can only be Jesus. When you know who pulled you from the pit, guys, right? You want to leave them, do you? It's true. 19 and 20 were done. And he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. When it's only Jesus, you're going to tell people. You're going to tell people about this only Jesus experience that you've had. No man made help. The only change that worked on this man was being chained to Christ. And see, this is important, guys, because he doesn't just break change, which we know he does. Many of you in here have had your chains broken. They have fallen off. But see, where I think we fall short is that doesn't mean we walk away. That simply means we have another chain. That we are simply chained to Christ. And so if you get those chains broken, we see it all the time. Men come in, they get sober, they walk away. But see, they leave untethered to Christ. They they leave unchained to Christ. And that never ends well. That never ends well. Remember this, guys. A true encounter with Christ only produces some things that we see here. Clothed and is in his right mind. You will look different. You will think different. And these people were afraid. When Jesus does this, it scares people. It scares people. Some people don't want you to change. You will love Jesus and beg to be with him. You will be obedient. You will proclaim Christ only. That changes your entire life. So listen, guys. That's the end of my notes. Um, listen, I, I, I want you to, right where you're at, okay? I want you to take a moment. And I want you to respond to God however he's calling you to, right where you're at, okay? We're going to end in a time of prayer and some worship, but for just a few minutes, we're going to just sit and we're going to pray right where we're at. I want to thank you all for having us, okay? I know I ran over by about an hour, and I thank you all for your patience. And I want to thank you all for having us. So y'all get right with God right where you are.
0: Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the reminder that it's only because of Jesus. And that's it. Thank you for the reminder of how much we need Jesus. That we're all chained and shackled to something or someone. Let that be to Jesus thank you for rescuing us out of the muck and the mire and the messiness of life but Father right now we thank you for the reminder that you've rescued us into the messiness as well help us be more like this beggar who begged to come to Jesus Unless, like the others who were bothered by Jesus. Lord, as we spend this time in your word and prayer and worship, remind us of where you've brought us from and through, and remind us that you're not done yet. Father, we thank you for your saving power, your amazing grace, the rescue that you rescued us from our sin. And you brought us from death to life only through Jesus. Only by the power of your spirit that you've brought us to where we are as followers of Jesus. And so as we respond in worship, I pray you generate a heart posture, a spirit-enabling power of worship. Out of response of who you are, what you've done, and what you're doing. Because only through Jesus that we're even able to stand here before you today. And we know you're not done yet. So lead us in worship. May you be pleased and honored and glorified by our heart posture and worship as we pour out our hearts for you. As we remember, because you loved us, now we are able and enabled to love you. We thank you, Father. We thank you for the name that's above every other name, the only name that man will be saved. That is the name of Jesus. We all pray everything in that name. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening to The Way Church Podcast. If you would like prayer or if you'd like to talk to someone about a personal relationship with Jesus, please contact us through our website at thewaychurchrva.com.